Today is Monday, August 7th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Former President Trump says there's no way he'll get a fair trial in D.C. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and share the pod with friends or whoever you deem fit and send us your thoughts. Quick Start Podcast at CBN. Org. That's our email address. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray on this Monday, Billy Hallowell. Billy, what's going on? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm drinking my coffee here. I'm excited for the week. Yes. I'm ready to go. A lot to get through. I mean, obviously, we've got Trump news, and that's heating up. The indictment and the trial, looming trial and all of that. We'll get to the latest in just a moment. It's back and forth with Pence. Very interesting. We'll have that coming up. Also, Madison Seals on the main thing is looking uh, to talk with Peter Demos about how Christians are called to respect God's law above man's. And even if that means civil disobedience, interesting conversation there. And we have a a disturbing story, Billy, on the focus story today about uh, what schools are trying to do uh, with parents. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really wild. It's a school district out in California. And the school district, the school board is trying to do the basic thing of, you know, enacting a parental rights policy. And uh, some people aren't too happy with that. So we'll we'll dig into that. Right. Yeah, it is crazy. And uh, parents need to know what is happening here because it seems like it's not just, oh, it's happening in that place. This is happening in a lot of places now, this sort of thing. And, and so we'll get to the details on that on the focus story. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Mike Pence told CBS News yesterday that he has no plans to testify in the case against President Trump, but he'll obey the law and respond if it comes to that. Trump's lawyer, John Loro, replied that he can't wait to cross-examine Pence because he believes Pence will end up completely eliminating any doubt that Trump firmly believed that election irregularities led to inappropriate results. His lawyer also said... The ultimate ask of Vice President Pence was to pause the counts and allow the states to weigh in. He added that Trump didn't direct Pence to do anything that could be considered criminal. Pence responded, saying that Trump's team told him, we want you to reject votes outright. He said they were asking me to overturn the election. I had no right to overturn the election. Meanwhile, President Trump is currently trying to get the judge thrown out from his case, saying he doesn't believe he'll get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. In the Ukrainian Secret Service, the SBU says they've uncovered a plot to assassinate President Zelensky. It was an alleged Russian informant was caught on the eve of a recent trip where she was gathering intelligence about the planned visit. And most Protestant churchgoers in the U.S. are not very familiar with the term deconstruction as it applies to struggles with religious belief, according to a new report by LifeWay. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Obviously, Billy, a lot going on with Trump and Ukraine. The war is still going on there, which is insane that that's still happening. And there's developments there, as I mentioned. But I thought you'd be interested in this LifeWay research. And I was shocked that people are not familiar with the term deconstruction because it seemed like it went pretty widespread recently. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. It kind of reminds me that people like us, you know, looking at the news every day, reading a lot about faith, we can often take for granted, right? I thought the same thing. I thought, well, everybody knows this term, right? Like every Christian must know. You know, it's really easy to make that assumption. Uh, But I also think that this means that maybe churches aren't actually talking about this, right? Maybe, Maybe the concept and not the term, and the term is important to understand. And it's one of those terms that has a lot of of different meanings to different people. But at the end of the day, I think as a church, it's probably a good thing for us to have a, a solid grip on what exactly culture thinks this means. Yeah. And we've talked about it before, like you said, different meanings to different people. But as I've seen it play out, it really seems like it's just a way that people end up trying to leave the faith. And, you know, it starts with doing things like denying scripture. And it's a cover for, I feel like, a a lot of cases, it ends up seeing the yeah. person who deconstructed, you know, they had some belief that contradicted with scripture and then sought to justify it and then couldn't justify it. And then ended up saying, well, I've deconstructed my face, faith and and now I've left the faith. Yeah. Well, and it's like one of those things, too, where everyone's like, well, it's really healthy to not everyone, but some people to yeah. deconstruct and then reconstruct. It's like, well, what we're talking about here is asking questions about your faith. Right. Like that is a that is a good thing to do, but not not to ask questions in a way that you dismantle it and never rebuild it to make sure that you understand why you believe what you believe. I don't think God wants us out there, you know, saying, oh, I'm a I'm a Christian and but not having any understanding over what any of it actually means in our lives. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this term and this is actually one of the reasons I don't love terms like this, because yeah. it becomes a thing that everyone's trying to just do. Right. It's like, right. well, we, you right. know, we, this is good for all of us. It's like, well, no, you know, we've all been questioning our faith since the beginning in, in a positive way to make sure we understand it. Right. And look, there's nothing new under the sun as scripture says. And so, so many of these questions where I think people should be able to draw a lot of comfort if you're examining your faith, maybe a better way to phrase it is that people have pondered these questions. You're not going to invent some new theology question that no one's thought about before. I mean, people have been around for quite some time and there's been a lot of smart people and they think about these things. So you can examine the different, all of the different issues pretty thoroughly people have covered them so this is not some oh my goodness we're discovering a new thing here and we figured it out it's we're not at that point in history (laughs) Um, yeah unfortunately we kind of think of a high view of ourselves and that we're these brilliant amazing humans who are figuring out things that people haven't thought about hundreds of years ago but uh nevertheless it's Something that I think is important because when only 36% of Protestant churchgoers were either familiar or very familiar with the concept of someone deconstructing their faith, I think we need to be aware of that because it's a danger, I think, to the faith, to someone's faith, that, that if they if they don't have somebody walking alongside them talking these things through, it could lead to disastrous results, so... Yeah. I mean, we just, we have to be aware. I think that's the key, right? Of what, yeah, like you said, I love what you said. There's nothing new under the sun. We do the Bible in a year, both you and I, we've been working through the Bible, you Mm -hmm. know, and and I encounter all these things in scripture where I'm like, gosh, what does that mean? I wonder if anybody thought about it. And I go to Google and sure enough, there there are a trillion articles, right, about the issue, right? And we're going through Romans right now and in our yearly reading. And it's, it's always interesting to see the part of one of the parts I love. I mean, there's so much to love about Romans, obviously. But I love how Paul sort of puts the skeptic questions in so many of the tough questions. Oh, well, so you might say, well, then why don't we just 
Go on sinning then if God's grace abounds. Well, here's the answer to that. May it never be. Um, so he puts those skeptic questions in there. So even Paul answers many of them. So it's um, it's something you can take comfort in as a Christian if you are asking lots of questions that the answers are there. The answers are there. Of course, not everything's going to be answered on this side of eternity, but um, a lot of the big questions have really, really wonderful answers that should provide comfort to the Christian. So... All right, we're going to move on to the focus story now. And members of a California school board are reportedly receiving death threats after enacting a parental notification policy. So what what is the story here? Yeah, this is just wild. It's out in Chino Valley Unified School District in California. There are at least two members of this school board. And, And let me just set this up. On July 20th, they voted four to one, okay, to enact this parental rights, you know, policy. And the policy basically says it's a child welfare policy that any attempts by a child to identify as the opposite sex, to change their pronouns, to do anything that would involve changing their identity, that parents need to be notified about that within three days. Okay, so that's the policy that they've enacted, which seems like a pretty sane policy, right? Making sure the parents know what's happening with their children when they send them to school. Um, (laughs) So this was enacted July 20th. There have been death threats, phone calls, all sorts of insanity directed at at least two members of, again, it's the Chino Valley Unified School District School Board. Um, So this is the official school board. These members are facing pretty horrific uh, messages from people. It's become so concerning that there's actually an active investigation by authorities. An arrest was actually made on August 1st. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of these individuals who was purportedly sending these messages um, has been detained. And, you know, the police are still trying to sift through, I guess it was voicemails, emails, social media posts. And again, not just one person doing this, numerous people sending these messages. And um, I even read one report that the president of the board, uh, Sonia Shaw, that, you know, she was receiving threats and maybe even her family members, her children were receiving threats as well. Why does at least one California state official have a problem with the parental notification policy, it seems like something that shouldn't really be a controversial issue. Yeah. So what was really interesting about this and, you know, we've seen a lot of these, you know, back and forth contentious debates at these school board meetings. But Tony Thurmond, he is the California state superintendent of public instruction. Um, so a state official, he actually attended the Chino Valley school board meeting where they were voting on this. Um And so this is back at the end of July. He showed up and I'm just going to read a little bit of what he said. He said, I came before you as a parent tonight because we can debate all the laws and all the policies and practices. I ask you to consider this, that nearly half of students who identify as LGBTQ are considering suicide. He went on to say the policy that you consider tonight not only may fall outside the laws um, that respect privacy and safety for our students, but may put our students at risk because they may not be in homes where they can be safe. Mm. And so he's basically saying a lot of these kids are, you know, considering suicide and you're putting them in danger by not respecting their privacy and safety. And that we can unpack that. There's a whole conversation we could have about that because who are they being kept safe from their parents here? Right. Um, and, And of course there are situations where families aren't safe for kids, but that's not something that's limited just to LGBTQ Children, that's yeah. something that, you know, could happen anywhere. So, you know, the, the state, I thought it was interesting, too, just to note here, it may fall outside of the law, right? That seems like a little bit 
threatening to me, right? Like you may be doing something illegal as a school district here in our state. This is one of those tactics that I find I find fairly dubious. It's very difficult to prove that you're causing a suicide. How do you prove that? Where do you get these numbers from to back up such a claim? And so the fact that they're using this as an argument, it's unsurprising to me as we've talked about this in recent days. Again, it is a, a very much a very big concern. How is school board president Sonia Shaw responding to these claims? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, this woman is is bold. I mean, after so while he while this state official was there saying these things, his time apparently ran out. He had like a minute to speak like everybody does. And she basically shut him down. He wanted to keep talking. He was escorted out. She had the police escort him out, the state, the state superintendent, because he wouldn't, he, I guess, purportedly continued talking. And um, at one point, she said, you're not going to blackmail us. You already sent us blackmailing letter previously. You will not bully us here in Chino. Please sit. Mm. And when he wouldn't, they had him escorted out. She later said um, she actually blamed him, too. She said, it's people like you. The reason we're here having this conversation and having to vote on this is because of people like you um, said that, you know, he's proposing things that pervert children. I mean, they're not the board. Remember, they voted four to one on this. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. this is it wasn't a close vote. No, <laughs> so. that, that is that is a very bold response. And bullying and those sorts of terms is, I think, an accurate description of these sorts of tactics and these yeah, lowbrow well, tactics that we were sort of just uh, talking about. And sorry, I wanted to throw this in because she's also a Christian and she's um, she spoke out to the Christian Post. I saw an interview she did with them. Um, she said people all over the nation have called, emailed and continue to write letters of support and saying this gave them hope. Uh, she said a few years ago when I joined this journey, God kept showing me hope in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. So she's also speaking out. Um, quite a bit about her faith. And she said that she's drawn closer to God throughout all of this. And by the way, she's one of the individuals who has received the threats, right? She's mm -hmm. one of the people who's been targeted. Um, and when you see her response, you can see if you're trying to go after anybody, you're going to go after the one who's standing firm and, and being vocal. And so that's right. that's what these people have been doing. Right. And we and we see a lot of people now, there's that friction between the LGBT community and Christians. And if you stand up on something even as basic as parental rights, you're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called a hate monger. These are something you need to gird your loins if you're a Christian because the time is going to come where you're asked to draw a sand in the line and those are the sorts of responses you're going to get it thrown in your face. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond like Sonya did and stand firm? Probably a lot easier said than done when you find yourself in the moment. So impressive that she was able to make that stand. Absolutely. And, you know, got to pray for them out there in Chino Valley yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. As this whole thing unfolds. All right, Billy, appreciate you bringing that one to a radar screen here. That's going to head us over to the main thing now. And Madison Seals talked to business and faith leader Peter Demos about how Christians are called to respect God's law above man's, uh, which is something, as we're seeing, is uh, difficult to do in in modern times here and applying biblical truths in this woke culture even if that means civil disobedience that's today's main thing well peter you recently published an op-ed with the christian post called christian civil disobedience and a world that's gone woke which is not an easy write or read can you talk a little bit about the question on your mind and the legislation that spurred this article yeah so actually you know, it started really back in 2020 when I saw the churches get shut down and it prompted me to write a book on the duty of Christian civil disobedience. And then recently I was asked to speak at a uh, church in uh, the Great Lakes Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan, and, and 
the topic came up while I was waiting to go there, um, and where where Michigan House has passed legislation indicating that it would be a felony with with a very large fine, I think it's a thousand dollar fine, and, um, and and potential jail time by misgendering somebody by using the wrong pronouns and. It's a topic I've had to deal with personally, and 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 so I realized I needed to speak about it, and then decided to write the the op-ed on it as well. And this concept of civil disobedience sounds really intimidating, and I would say that it is, but it exists for a reason. So, can you talk about what civil disobedience really is? Yeah, you know, a lot of times when you think of civil disobedience, you know, you think of the images of you know, Martin Luther King walking through the streets and protests and, and, and that, and that's not really civil disobedience. That, that, is part, that can be civil disobedience. There's nothing, there's nothing that, that excludes it. But civil disobedience is a, just a peaceful means of saying no to a policy or legislation that you disagree with. The, I mean, Henry David Thoreau, when he, when he wrote the book on the duty of civil disobedience, actually was, was protesting taxes, which is not something a Christian can do. But you can also see it from a Christian perspective, reading throughout the Bible, that it's just really the ability just to say no because it goes against our faith. Yeah, that point of it being nonviolent is something that a lot of scholars have agreed on, that civil disobedience has four components like conscientiousness, communication, publicity, and then nonviolence, which I want to start getting into the biblical element of this because God doesn't call us to be aggressive, but to hold to what the Bible says. And as you point out in this article, it's definitely easy to find laws that we disagree with or dislike, but the Bible makes it clear that God appoints leaders for a reason and tells us to give Caesar what is Caesar's. So Peter, you say there's one question that is imperative to ask before we even consider an act of civil disobedience. What is that question? Well, so there is, um, you know, basically, is is the law asking us to commit something that is against, you know, God's, either asking us to commit something as evil or asking us to commit something that is against God's law, and that that's really kind of the 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 framework. And if you don't read and know the Bible and start out with that basic understanding and knowledge and that framework that comes from there, then it's very difficult to say, okay, we need to, to say no or when not to say no. But we have to know first what he says, and then from there we know what we can do. What you're talking about really is the difference between keeping the peace and keeping God's laws, which are sometimes in conflict, as we've seen. And you use the Michigan le- Michigan legislation that could make using the incorrect pronoun a felony as an example. So in your view, is pronoun usage an issue where Christians are called to keep God's law, which is referring to people by the gender that he created them as, at the cost of human ones? Yeah, I think it's very much uh, very much an issue. And it was one that I, that I kind of struggled with because, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in a, a progressive way of thinking of, well, it's all about love. And, and we know that, that love is not just approval. I mean, Paul says, you know, love also rejoices in the, in the truth. Um, and so where I look at this issue is God defines you as male and female. He does it through your chromosomes, through your bone structure. He does it through many, many different ways that you're defined as a male or female. If you were to tell me, you know, if you were to say, hey, I want to change my name, I can go along with that because God didn't give you that name, but he did give you your gender. And if I were to go along with that, I have to say, God, you're wrong, and this person in front of me is right. And therefore, I cannot, I, I cannot faithfully say, God, you're wrong in this circumstance, in this situation. So therefore, I'm going to have to 
assign the gender that God has assigned you, not one that you particularly want. Now, I will be polite and try to use your proper name if I can, but it is not something that I am going to automatically, you know, go with whatever it is that you want to be called or as far as your pronoun. That's just such an important point that you brought up, that the acceptance of sin is not loving. I feel like we cannot restate that enough as Christians. God created love, and he knows that indulging people in pronouns that don't match their biological reality is not loving them at all. And by doing it, we're basically saying that they're going to be able to find satisfaction in gender instead of finding their identity in Christ. Right. And, you know, and it, I, I use the analogy a lot when, when, when people talk about, you know, whether or not, and it's not just in, in, in pronoun usage or even in just in, the, in this topic, but it's this idea that you have to affirm everything and everyone and, and no matter what. And, you know, we all, you know, we just all want to be whoever you want to be. And there's really no such thing as truth. And, you know, and I, and I say, look, when my children were little, if you saw one of them running out on the middle of the interstate, I wouldn't care if you ran over and grabbed them and, and beat them all the way to the edge because it's not because I'm depriving them of the life experience of getting hit by a tractor trailer. I'm doing it to save their life. Right. And if I can, you know, whatever, and that's part of our job. And through civil disobedience, we are still ambassadors for Christ. It is still our job to be able to represent him in such a way that people are going to look at us and be like, wow, they're really willing to stand up and, and take those hits because of something that is so much greater. I want to know more about it. And I think it gives us such a huge opportunity to even evangelize through our works and through our actions that we normally can't do through our words. Right. Yeah. And Peter, you're a business leader yourself. So you know what the consequences of going against the culture could be. How would you encourage other business leaders and owners like the Jack Phillips and the Baronel Stutzman, the owner of Arlene's Flowers, who have been on trial for their beliefs for around 10 years now? How would you encourage them and others watching? You know, I, I talk to groups and, and I have a lot of people that come up and talk to me about how they're worried about their children and, and, and or grandchildren who might be falling away from the faith. And I'm like, if, if we're unwilling to stand up and let our children see us stand up for what is important, then what are they going to fold under? You know, what's next for them to fold under that they'll fold under much quicker? And I just, and I, and I always kind of look at Revelation where Revelation you know, basically says, you know, we can't buy and sell goods unless we have the mark of the beast. Well, if that were the case, if we can't give up 10% of our sales now, if we can't give up 20% of our sales now, then how are we going to do this later? And then finally, I look at it as in another way, which is the opposite of fear, which is that's really what it boils down to. The opposite of fear is not courage. Medal of Honor winners will, will say they were scared when they committed these amazing acts of courage. But what the opposite of fear is, the opposite of fear is trust. And so do we, in this particular situation, do we not trust God to take care of us in these situations? If, he, if my business closes, I'm going to have to trust God to take care of me. It's not... You know, it's not, well, I have to do this on one day because God won't take care of me and just hope that God takes care of my But That's not how that works. God takes care of us no matter our circumstances. Yeah, ultimately, we know that our lives belong to God and should be lived for him. And the Bible tells us that because of that, we will experience persecution in this world. Absolutely. But God also reminds us to take heart because he's already overcome the world. So we can be confident that our trials are not in vain because of that. I love that. I, you know, I love the quote where, where it's, it's, you know, in, in John where he says, you know, he'll overcome the world because in it, it says, 
you know, in this world you will have tribulation, but through me you may have peace. And I, and the idea mm -hmm. of will and may, I think those verbs are so amazing because will means it's coming no matter what. It does not matter whether or not I stand up or not stand up. I'm still going to have tribulation. And through Christ, I may have peace, which means I have permission to get it, but it's not automatic, and I have to go through Christ to get that peace. Well, Peter, thank you for your insight on this important topic and for having the courage to talk about it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. All right, Madison, thanks for that conversation there. Really appreciate it. And that's going to leave us with time here on the pod today for one last thing. Yeah, I love this. It's 2 Thessalonians 3.13. Never tire of doing what is good. That's a portion mm. of the verse there. And it's just a good reminder because it can get really tiring doing yes. what is good. You yeah. know, like it can get exhausting. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a yeah. powerful message. Absolutely. Because there are just instances where you're like, you know what? I want to get my own vengeance in this situation. You know, I don't want to wait for God to do it. All of us are fallible and susceptible to tiring of doing what is good. And Second Thessalonians there reminds us that... We need to have perseverance and, and stay the course. So thanks for that reminder there. And that's going to be it for the podcast today. As always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we will be back here tomorrow with more. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your Monday. God bless. See you tomorrow.